Go. Welcome back to Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 87. Before I jump into it, once again, I will remind everyone, like, comment, subscribe, give us your money if you want to donate and help us do this. Um, we just got our second strike on this channel, so we might get nuked off YouTube soon. Who knows? We kind of expected that. But if we do disappear from YouTube, you can always find our content on DangerousRhetoric.com, which is hosted on Rumble. It's on Spotify. It's on the, all the places. With all of that said, today we have a very special guest. We are joined by the based and the beautiful and the hilarious Kitty Demure, drag queen extraordinaire. Woo! Hi, Dan and Brentley. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, I really appreciate you, you know, devoting some of your time to having these conversations. You recently appeared on Fox, um, and I've been seeing you appear in some other interviews around the internet. And you're making quite a sensation as one of the only drag queens who is speaking out against this new phenomenon over the last few years of kids appearing at drag events. Um, so we're going to get into that. Um, and I also want to get into a bit of your backstory. So maybe we can we can start there. Like, where are you from? Um, when did you first get into drag? Well, hi, you guys. Thanks for having me. Um, I, well, I'm from Southern California. And I'm born and raised here. I live, I've always lived about an hour east of Los Angeles in an area they call the Inland Empire, the meth capital of the world. Oh my God. And um, I'm, I'm fairly older than what a lot of people think I am. Um, growing up, I was very influenced by the band Kiss and Queen and David Bowie. And after the, you know, and, and, you know, androgyny was all the thing in like late seventies and eighties. And yeah, and people are acting like that's like a new thing now. Like they like discovered <laughs> the real, I'm like, guys, this has been done already. Like, no, it's, it's like us back then when we did it, we were really being stunning and brave. Now you're just following the pack. Yeah. But, um, back then, you know, it was a big deal. Uh, I, you know, I started wearing makeup to high school and I was part of the whole like new wave and the pre goth era. You know, there, there was a thing, there was kids wore black before goth, you know, right. I think they called death rock or something. I don't know. But, um, so, you know, it was normal to go to high school dressed, you know, I guess with eyeliner, it was very acceptable for men boys to wear eyeliner in high school yeah. i started adding new layers to it i was really into boy george and um which is another you know influence a pop pop icon influence and the thing is we did all of this and sexuality never became an issue it's just it's just fashion and people just did it yeah. and if you liked it you did it if you didn't like it people would you know can i is this a do, are, are you guys censored we're not even monetized. No, you probably, can say we're are. probably not going to get monetized. We're probably, point. honestly, the channel will probably yeah. be nuked off. So you can drop some fucks and, and shit on itself. Yeah. Well, you, you would think you would think in high school my name was Faggot. And yeah. it, it's, just, you know, all day long. And you know what? It, 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 back then, people could beat you up and you could stand up and stand up to them yeah. and stand your ground and actually build some character. Nowadays, you can't. But that that is my... That is... That's basically my nutshell story of before doing drag. And how many years have you been doing drag? You know, it took me a while to actually like get on a stage. Um, I first got into the nightclub scene working, and then I worked myself into helping produce shows, manage um, drag artists, putting together, you know, uh, stage acts, lighting, 
sound, um, camera, everything to produce a show. And you know, I'd always, I've always loved drag. And I said, this is the perfect opportunity for me to actually do it rather than just go around in my everyday life wearing makeup. Yeah. So I tried it and I tried it at a much later age than I should have. It's, it's really a young man's um, game. You know, <laughs> you know, as far as like my local, the local drag, they like to see Shablam, Death Drop, do the splits, you know, all yeah. that. And, you know, I'm I'm closer to re to the rest home than I am high school. Yeah. So I, I just, I can't compete with that. So um, I did a, I did some, a competition. I did a few numbers like that. And um, then COVID hit and I found my audience online. It, okay. it, that's where it all blew up for me. Yeah, a lot of people's <clears throat> entire career path <laughs> changed because of all of that stuff. Um, I guess my next question would be, when did you start to notice that something was amiss with um, the blurring of boundaries with um, minors and drag shows? And what was the thing that really kind of were clicked in your head and you decided, I need to say something about this? It was, it was I started talking about three years ago when okay. I started seeing this drag, the drag queen story, story book hour. And, you know, I thought about, I'm a very open-minded person. Naturally, if you, if you're a homosexual and you dress up as a woman, yeah. you're, you're naturally yeah. an open-minded person, I would think, or you would hope so. But um, I saw that and I just started thinking about it. And I'm like, why would, like, what value is there in this? And um, then I then I saw someone that I had known from the club do it, and when I saw this person, I couldn't believe that this person would actually be in charge of educating children. Um, it, it just I, th at that moment I knew they do not vet these people. Um, they don't. They just want to get a, a someone with a penis and throw makeup on them and put them in front of children. That's hmm. that is really the vibe that I got from that. I mean, I, I've, I've known drag queens that are prostitutes, porn stars, they're, you know, drug addicts, alcoholics, not saying they're all that. Yeah. You know, if, if you just say some people will say you're saying all. So I want to make that very, very clear. Don't put words in my mouth when anybody who hears this or clips it up, not every drag queen is a drug addict, prostitute or porn star, but many are. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So when I saw the, this person and I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, and then I see the the way they're dressing and the way they're speaking and the content that they're reading. I start thinking, well, this isn't, this isn't like just a fun, innocent activity for children. This is an indoctrination. This is something other than what they're packaging this as. And then I looked at the author, the person who actually created Drag Book Story Book Hour. Her name's Melissa. I forgot her last name, but all of her, 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 her literature is what was the approved reading materials. Then I started thinking, well, this is just a capitalistic venture for this woman. Yeah, and, and and so I just I just saw it for what it was, and like this is of no value to children. They're they're in fact they're making us look bad. They're making the drag community look bad. They're looking the, making the gay community look bad, and they don't even know that they're looking bad to like at least half of this country. And um, I don't know. I just. I didn't like being portrayed in that light. And I didn't want everybody to think that that, that represented me. And that's yeah. why I said something. 
so that's much the same you know motivation why brent and i started the podcast um well brent actually he had a solo channel that he started what was it like 2018 29 january of 2019 yeah, and okay. that that was your main motivation right for doing that it was like we well i saw a little desmond yeah. is amazing yeah. go viral and he just kept popping across my twitter feed and i was like i cannot yeah <laughs> we're just like we, we need to say something because we need to let people know like hey this doesn't represent all of us you know there are many gay lesbian and and trans people out there right. too who disagree with this stuff bisexuals too sorry guys who disagree <laughs> with this stuff you know and don't want it to reflect on all of us because you know we know that there is a stigma about us and predators and things like that and, and it took many years to kind of get Decades. rid of that stigma and now it feels like we're going backwards and what i noticed is the people who don't want to say anything about it and maybe do disagree they think that somehow saying something about this stuff is what's reviving the stigma when what they're not seeing is it's the opposite by not saying something by not drawing that line and saying hey that doesn't represent all of us that's what's reviving the stigma that's what's making conservatives they'll flee further into their conservatism the more they see this stuff getting pushed on kids and if we just left the kids alone you know and, and kept adult things in adult spaces and let kids have their childhood there wouldn't really be as much of an issue here with this stuff you know it'd be the same old conflict with conservatives that we've been dealing with but it's hard to blame them for reacting in the way that they are reacting when we're seeing this stuff too and it's also abhorrent to us and you know what's funny you, you bring up the conservatives and i get all these like um these uh gays and drag queens whatever attacking me saying oh you're a pick me you're a pick me and, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they're gonna and they're gonna ditch you as soon as as soon as they're done with you and what i tell them is i go done i go you think i'm employed by them no i have just as many people over there who don't like me as on your side right and yeah. there's just a, you know i fight with the conservatives the religious right all the time they'll 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 they they'll tell me we don't want your help we don't want your videos we yeah. want you just to disappear and i'm like wait a minute i'm not i'm not here for you i'm here yeah. for me and i'm here for what i represent and you know I, I you know i'm not even religious so first of all i don't even have that in common with the right so it's like i i you know the, the people on the left so-called left so-called right they they think that i'm somehow a pick me i'm a plant I'm employed. I'm I'm here to cause waves, and yeah, I'm here to cause my own waves. I'm here to speak up for myself, and I'm not part of this hive mind of the LGBTQ community. Yeah. I, I I'm a H. I'm a homosexual. You haven't even, <laughs> you haven't even included me in your alphabet. It's about the kids. That's what this is about ultimately. And you know, if we happen to have some people that we have to ally with who perhaps don't totally like us or maybe find us repulsive or abhorrent i'm you know at the, i'm kind of okay with that at this point if it's a matter of protecting the kids you know if like matt walsh doesn't totally like me i don't really care um yeah. ultimately i know that what matt walsh is doing is bringing some light onto these very important issues and that's what i care about most we could address the other things later for now, let's right, put that right. to the side and let's all get together and say, hey, can we like draw these hard lines again that we need with kids? That's what it comes down to, you know? Well, that, that's what adults do. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what they do. You know, I, I, tell the, I tell the supposed community of love, you, you guys ran off and just continued partying and living your best lives. So, but you are aware that there are 50% of this country is conservative and they have children too. 
they actually have gay children and trans children. And all you've done is demonize half this country with your rhetoric and the things that you say and believe. And while you've done that, you've actually abandoned a lot of gay people and trans people. Yeah. Yeah. And And people like us, we are still in the trenches. We are still doing work while they're not anymore. That's true. That's true. Another thing I think it's important to acknowledge is that in a sense, you know, and I guess I'm speaking more about the moderate right and moderate left, but like mm-hmm. you need some conservative values and you need some liberal values. And this is why I kind of consider myself a more moderate, although I lean more conservative now as I've aged, which is normal from what I understand. But, you know, what it comes down to is there are certain traditions that I think have value and that we should conserve them. That's what that means. But at the same time, I think, you know, rigid traditionalism could also stagnate a society. So we kind of need right. a balance. We need the two sides to realize that they actually need each other for, for real true progress to happen. Go too far left. It's just a pit of chaos. All boundaries mm-hmm. are dissolved and, you know, morality is just thrown out the window com- completely. Go too far to the right and it's just rigid structural boundaries where there is no room for innovation or thinking outside the box. And that's, that's bad too. So you can find, you know, a form of authoritarianism from, from either side. And we're just against authoritarianism. You know, if the right ever swung back toward that, we'd be calling them out on their shit too. Just what it comes down to is right now it's, it's the radical left. They're the ones who are the authoritarians and they're the ones who are at the helm of, you know, Hollywood and academia and, and, you know, mainstream culture. So that's why we're calling them out more. But look, the pendulum swings, swings back the other way. We will be there talking about them too. You know? Well, yeah. And you know, it wasn't even until what, 2015 or 2016, yep. I even found myself yep. over on this side. You know, I, I've always been a lifelong, you know, done what I'm supposed to do Democrat according to the, the community. But um, no, this is actually fairly new for me. And, you know, and it's also quite a bit of an experiment to see all the, the hate and um, homophobia and racism and i'm i'm looking for it still after many trump rallies after many protests against antifa um actually getting tangled up with the proud boy crew um i'm still looking for all the racism that i'm supposed to be afraid of yeah. sorry it's loud yeah new york city it's really loud <laughs> what is that it's uh, just New York. And it, there's so we're on 57th Street here, yeah. and 10th Avenue is right here, and then there's the hospital. Sorry, there's the hospital, um, literally like a block away. So anytime there's like fire or police or an ambulance, it's always like, <laughs> which is well, the, great for, that, you know, that, that you must have had nonstop um, ambulances during COVID time. Nonstop. Yeah. No, actually, we went up and uh, surveilled the hospital uh, because they had this little like testing center set up outside. It looked like a little like military camp, and so we were going over and checking that out regularly. Also, they had a um, they they had the the refrigerated truck for all the bodies because they couldn't store the bodies in the regular way. So they were putting them out onto a truck. So it was like, there was like that. one incident of that and the media blew it up into this thing. Like, Oh my God, the hospitals are. Well, no, so, but they did that on purpose. Of course like, they did. They, yeah. Cause they, they, they said that you could not store them in the normal way. So of course there's this like, you know, okay, now what do we do? It's like, Oh, well, also the truck in it. Every, every, every day for like the first man, like five months, 
four or five months, they would do this like 7 p.m. Oh, clap. God, the clap for healthcare workers where everyone would lean out for the windows or go on the roof Every lean out the windows and clap day. and scream and make noise pans it drove my dog my dog would just start barking yeah. and running around the apartment because he didn't know what was going on yeah and then eventually we kind of got <laughs> we started yelling back so we started going up on the roof with a megaphone and saying hello what are we doing why are we still closed we're destroying the economy what the hell are we doing and people would yell back at us and we'd be like hey i have a right to make noise too if you have a right to make noise up here so amazing it's amazing times interesting times i, I had a friend who went to a martin luther king hospital in, in los angeles after a report from there and they lived like a block away okay. went over there and there was absolutely nothing going on and it was like no we we experienced it here in in los angeles the west coast the same it's like where are you know where, where are the dead bodies on the street where's where's the everything happened nothing's happening there's no ambulances no sirens all this death and destruction is going on yeah. and nothing yeah, people were acting like it was the literal black plague and yeah but <laughs> let's not go too deep into that because our right. last strike with mark Changizi, which was an episode all the way from like may, may yeah. you know got reported and that's what we talked about the mandates and masking in particular we think so they, they did yeah. relax their mask guidance sure but i don't know i we think someone's like targeting us now oh. um, because brent Brent recently went to a protest in Vermont. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Fred Sargent and what happened to Fred no. Sargent. No. So Fred, Fred Sargent was um, one of the original founders of the first gay liberation march in New York City, which later became Pride. Okay. Um, and he was present at every day during the Stonewall riots as well. He was there. So he's basically like a gay rights pioneer, like legend. Icon. Icon. And I, I'm actually, I was going to bring him up. So this is a perfect time to get into him. So he attended a first protest at Vermont that Brent wasn't at. And he brought a sign there. And I'm going to ask you what you think about this sign. But he brought a sign that said, um, well, it had the, you know, the red circle with the cross through it. And it mm -hmm. said, um, blackface and woman face and it had the cross through it did he really yes so <laughs> and then on the other side gay not queer gay not queer it right. said on it and what he means by that is fred Sargent has been called queer well at the time he, slur. at the time right. of gay liberation yeah. this is what this whole like queer movement doesn't understand at the time of they don't actual, remember yesterday they're like dory from friggin fighting yeah. at the time of gay liberation that term was a term that you heard used against you with vehemence when you were getting oh yeah i remember that into the ground when you were getting right. beat up and all that stuff so many from that era still look at that word i'm sure that kitty way. i'm sure kitty you've been called queer in a mean and maligning way i know i have i grew up oh in the 80s and queer 90s. fairy which you don't know yeah. all those things. all yeah. of it <laughs> so he attended this protest. He had that sign, and they, you know, a couple of them, they, <clears> the Truman him. Squad, <laughs> they, they poured coffee over his head. They knocked mm -hmm. him to the ground. Yep. Trans activists, non-binary people, all the, you know, these queer people, knocked him to the ground, and it was kind of a watershed moment. It, it actually awoke a lot of people after that incident because it, it made them realize, like, wow, like we're actually knocking down original gay liberation rights people who are trying to stand up against, you know, stand up for sex-based rights. That's what he was doing. Right. 
But I wanted to ask you so, what, what no, you thought. The reason you told him that story, though, was yeah. because I went back up. We went yeah. back up to do a reaction protest. This group uh, that uh, attacks Fred Sargent is called Outright Vermont. And they were having a fundraiser where they were raising money to transition children. So this was for things like cross-sex clothing and for, like, medical consultation for people who can't afford it and all that stuff. And so we went back to protest the fire truck pool. And with Fred, Fred. with Fred and a couple, you know, uh, the guy from Disaffected, Josh Slockham, he's uh, another lo local up there in Burlington. And so we went back and, uh, you know, caused a muck for yeah. a day at their little event. And so that's how they they learned who I am. And so now they're like, you know, they're probably targeting yeah, the show now. They're big on mass reporting. They've gotten Josh, uh, Chris Felker and uh, Josh's producer, Kevin, all booted off of Twitter by mass reporting. Yeah. They also love they lost Josh's job as well. Yeah, well, they, they, they got Josh uh, fired from his job, yep. allegedly. Well, it's complicated. He's but... They're vicious. They're vicious. They are very vicious. This is, I mean, we are really, people think that it's, you know, like people play around on Twitter, but when you actually like, you know, stake a position and start speaking out and get involved, they come for you like yeah. viciously. And well, before we get into that, because I do want to ask, you know, Kitty about, his experiences with being attacked by them. But I wanted to ask, I guess, what your thoughts were on like Fred's sign, you know, no black face, no woman face. You know, there are people who look at drag, not just trans, you know, cause that's the extreme of it, but even just drag dressing up as the other sex as similar to blackface as something that, you know, is kind of offensive in that sense. And what do you think of a, a criticism along those lines? Do you think that that argument is valid? Um. You know, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll admit it. I mean, it's something I'm going to change what I'm doing. But yeah. it's, I could see, I could see the connection and I could see why. Naturally, I can see why women would be offended by the way some men are portraying them in public yeah. or from a stage. I get that. <laughs> and I also, and I do understand that the whole idea of men dressing up originally was because women weren't allowed to perform you know, back in the day yeah, and as men dressed as women. So one may even say it's misogynistic or a product of the patriarchy. All those arguments could be made. I mean, I, I look at it as a form of theater. I, I never go out looking like this. I, I um, just do it for online stuff, pictures, whatever, entertainment, or now it seems political reasons, but um Sure, I could see that, and I can see why women would be offended by it, and I don't get mad at them for it. Yeah. Um, I've actually started saying when people are attacking me, "You're not really a drag queen. You don't do, you know, you're you're not on stage, and you don't do this." I go, "Fine, then just call me a woman, a woman, a, a woman image appropriator." <laughs> then, then call me that. I well, don't care what you call me. There's the but, flip side of that too. You know, there are women who do drag as well, who dress as men, you know, should, should we look at them and say, Hey, you're wearing, you know, the costume of a man and you're making a mockery of them. I think if it's done in the form of entertainment, you know, yeah. there should be a bit of leeway there, but at the right. same time, I can see why people would say, well, isn't that making the argument for blackface as well? And I, I don't know, you know, I, like you, I can see why women would look at it and be like, hey, that kind of makes a mockery of womanhood, you know? Right. And I don't want to take, you know, I'm not going to belittle their opinions or whatever. And I, I could just say, yeah. And you know what? I've done acts that probably are not very flattering. Oh, I know I have that aren't very flattering to certain women. But, you know, 
But like anything, there are people who like it and people who don't. And yeah. if you don't want to watch it, then just don't watch it. Don't watch like it. My, like my partner, for instance, he's black. He doesn't care about blackface. He thinks it's funny. Like it's comedic. Like yeah. there are things that are just funny and we laugh at them. And to me, it, it's almost like how can you, I can't really laugh at something unless it's a little offensive, a little, a little stereotypical, a little wrong, maybe hurting somebody. I mean, otherwise, what are we all going to laugh at? Like, I don't know. But then again, I see some of these things like these kids are coming up with that I just do not see humor in whatsoever. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I don't know, is funny dying? Yeah, I don't know. Zoom, Zoomer humor is definitely it's, its own like thing. Some of it I, is funny to me. Just, I don't know, because mm -hmm. like, some of it is just like deliberately supposed to be awkward. And I kind of find some but of But also, like, yeah. it's this disjunction between the generations and our cultural understanding is normal to a certain degree. Yeah, then it's normal. I mean, we didn't, I, I know the, the boomers, for example, didn't get, you know, like the, us 90s kids when yeah. we were growing up. Oh, no. They they thought we were all crazy. They thought <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons was satanic. I know. Come on, guys. It's Dungeons and Dragons. No, I, re I remember that. And you know what? The funny thing is, I, I have a great relationship with my mother. She's a boomer. She still doesn't get what I do. Like, she still wants to know. She goes, So, do you want to be a woman? And if you don't want to be a woman, then why do you dress like that? Why do you dress like that? I'm like, Mom, the same reason why I used to put on a Taco Bell uniform when I worked at Taco Bell. It's 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 just my. It's part of a job, part of a hobby, part of art, whatever. But you know, there is there are some things that some generations will just not get, and that's fine. That's I'm perfectly okay with that. So you know, speaking of this as a job, you know, on Fox, you you were asked, you know, why why are these drag queens who are doing this in front of kids doing it? And I recall, you know, your answer. You said most of them are probably just doing it for the money. Yeah, and you know, I I don't think they're all wanting to molest children. No. Yeah. <laughs> I no, think there's and, probably some truth to that. Again, too. I think this is what people, you know, drag queens like anybody else are just people. And drag is a niche commodity that if somebody's willing to pay you for your drag, your performance, I mean, you'll take that money. Yeah. And then, like, you know, as plus the parents said, are probably talking up and be like, you know, this is so great. You know, our kids are learning all this stuff about inclusivity and all that. Yeah, sure. I mean, they're probably like eating that up, sure, whatever, yeah. like, you know, just puffing up the ego. But at the same right. time, at the end of the day, it's really just, you know, they're performers, they're paid to perform, they're doing the performances that they, they do normally. They don't really, I mean, some of them might change them, but I've seen some performances that look like they were not, you know, they were obviously intended for adult audiences. Yeah. Right. And it's a little shocking when you see it, the children there, especially when there's nudity involved or, or anything else. Yeah. Well, I, I got, I got to that place like 20, not 20 years ago, I'd say about 15, 12 years ago to this place right now, when I would go to pride in Los Angeles or in long beach and I would see children there alongside like what we're just like kind of walking down this walkway through pride and you see these transsexual men or trans women with breast implants that are you know out to here and they're exposed and they're wearing assless chaps and and dildos on strap on dildos yeah. people in different kink masks and stuff and then i see a child and <laughs> i i'm not the person with the boobs i'm not the parent but I'm embarrassed. I'm like, I don't, why do I want to be in this environment watching people's kinks and sexual fetishes and orientations around children? Like, yeah. I don't know how you could even enjoy yourself. 
so that that's kind of how I look at the whole phenomenon now with drag shows is they say, you know, some of them, they say they're trying to make a more friendly, like family friendly drag show. And to me, like the point of drag is it's supposed to be body. It's supposed to be lewd. It's supposed to be over the top. It's, it's not supposed family to be, friendly. It's not family friendly. So to take it and to try to make it family friendly, that's a boring drag show. But to keep it the way it is and include kids still, that's an awkward drag show. They're right. just be there you know and, and, and you know when i was really exposed first uh, to like say performance drag was through a talk show called phil donahue it was on tv when i was a kid and what they had was female impersonators so they had these impersonators that looked like Cher or or marilyn monroe and it wasn't the idea that they were gay it was the idea that they were men and they were able to give this this artistic impression and be really good at it yeah. it was more about the art of and yes rather than hey you like pink maybe you're a girl it, <laughs> it, and that's what it's turned into and it's like no it was then it was like an art form and yes you may have known they were gay or not gay but that was never the topic the topic was the art of it and that's when i actually was first introduced to actual like real drag it is funny, though, you know, the radical left types will say that they're trying to fight against gender norms and stereotypes when really like they're basing all of this ideology, pushing kids toward transition and stuff on gender stereotypes. Like if you like pink or if you like dolls or, you know, just a more feminine boy must be a girl now and a more masculine girl must be a boy now. It's what happened to just, you know, hey, you're you're fine the way you are. Maybe you can improve here and there but there's nothing wrong with you for being that way. And like our society got to that point and then we went so far past it that it's like, we're going backwards. Well, it, it, yeah. And it's like to piggyback on what you said about um, the gender thing. It's so funny. They'll say, well, you know, gender is fluid and we can do whatever we want and there's no gender norms or roles. But the thing is, why is it when someone with a penis wants to do drag, they always try to emulate someone who has a vagina and vice versa. I mean, it, it. you clearly do see a difference because if yep. there was no difference, then drag wouldn't exist. Wouldn't exist. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Um, Kitty, have you heard of Jordan Gray? Mm -mm, I haven't. So this was a drag. Well, I don't know if no, she identifies as a drag person. Trans. She identifies as yep. trans, I guess. But uh, this is a UK performer who recently was on one of their like normal Friday night, uh, I think it's called Friday Night Live. It's their like, you know, their big show over there. And okay. so they had her performing and at the end of her performance, oh. she sang a song about how great she is and how much better she is than everybody else. And she rips off her clothes to reveal her fully nude self with her augmented breasts and her biological penis. Her penis. Her penis. So, yeah. her, her female <laughs> penis, yeah. Or and so a lot of the coverage, <laughs> a lot of the coverage of the the thing has talked about her penis. It's just so, so funny to read that, you know, and have her penis in the headline. I'm just like, God, our society has really gone off the deep end. And didn't and didn't she like finish with her penis on the keyboard? I I, I I didn't I don't know the name, but I know the story. Yeah. So I can show you. Well, I'm not sure how much of this I can show, but I'll pull it up anyway. I and mean, this is. I think her. You just don't play the music. Well, yeah, no, I cannot play the music. That's fine. <laughs> 
is where I, I think this I think this actually cuts off right before uh, it shows us yeah. the dangly bits. But there are clips where you can see the dangly bits. That's like not a yeah. And this was on live. This was on live. Television. It was. It was on ITV. Yeah. It was in the UK, and you know what we would normally consider indecent exposure gets rocked. Right. Right. You would like, never be seen on TV again. Right. No, no, this is supposed to be illegal. But because this person is trans, I guess it somehow excuses the behavior. Yeah, I was watching a video by, um, I forgot who it was. It's this, this uh, conservative conservative black cop I like follow on Instagram. And he was just like, you know, it seems now in our society that if you're, if you're a man and you just say you're a woman, you put a dress on and stuff, you could basically get away with anything at this point. And that's yeah, kind of pretty much where that's we're it. heading. That was it. What's well, what I say? I'll see these, dra I'll see these drag shows of these queens exposing fake boobs and bouncing them through, through a restaurant at brunch. And there's kids there. Yep. And it's like, does that five-year-old or four-year-old child understand that those are fake boobs or are they just or do they understand that that man on the ground with his legs wide open who's patting his vagina does does that little kid know what's going no. on no. they they don't know they see a person dressed as a female doing yeah. that and what and it's what it's teaching them is that it's okay for adults to behave this way around you and that's dangerous that's dangerous to set that precedent and like to make it okay in that child's mind for adults to behave that way when we're supposed to be teaching the opposite like hey when an adult behaves around you this way you say something you run you get out of there you know if an adult is pulling out their private parts yeah. and flashing you you may not want or just to acting in in any sexual way even if they have their clothes right. on though if they're acting in like an alluring like this way and it's like we're supposed to teach kids like you get the hell out of there you you know that's you tell someone now we're teaching them apparently it's fine it's weird well, in any time, you know, it's another thing. You'll see uh, these performers, like, saying crawling on the ground and rolling. Right. They act like that, that's, like, a normal... They're not pretending to be an animal. They're pretending to be, like, a woman who's seducing you and who's in heat and can't right. wait for you to do her. I mean, that that's what that whole act is. Or when a drag queen is sitting there pumping up and down, um, we know that that's a simulation of sex. Yeah. And... And and I don't know why the why these adults want to pretend that all of us can't see that, and I I I don't know are they I, maybe they're just afraid of the of the backlash they don't want to be called homophobic or transphobic it's almost like everybody has like um uh, these kids are held hostage by the community yeah and if like and if you're if you don't allow us to influence them then you're you're a homophobe yeah. and it's just it's just sick. Yeah, I was doing some research here in New York City and trying to figure out like, you know, how uh, institutionalized this drag queen story hour stuff is. It's pretty institutionalized. The Everywhere. government is paying now. We're paying taxpayer dollars for drag queens to go into public schools and perform all over New York City. And if I can show you this list right here, um, you see their partner, their program partners, mm -hmm. their school, all these schools and yeah. libraries. They've got crazy. And this is supposed to like educate wow. about preschools, you know, and what does it teach them about us that we're all like clowns that we're all like, you know, most gay men don't dress up in drag. No, it, no they don't. Yes. They don't even like it. They don't even like yeah. it. They're, well, I just brought up Fred Sargent, you know, like there are people like him who, who look at it as like woman face and stuff and he's gay. So it's just to think that this is somehow an educational 
event for kids. It's just like they've diluted themselves. I don't know what what they're smoking or what Kool-Aid they drank, but these parents are really diluting themselves. And it's just, I blame them, so you know, like, but I also are blame we gonna bring to, yeah. Are we going to bring strippers in to yeah. educate the children about sexual education? Yeah. Maybe we should have strippers talk to children about, you know, how important birth control is, you know, or let invite prostitutes in to talk to children about birth control because they've got a lot of knowledge about the experience, right? It's their professional oh, area. Yeah. So, of course, we should just bring them in and let them talk to the children. Like, oh, God. And, and I've had people say, oh, so we're not supposed to teach kids anything? I said, listen, I, when I was in school, okay, barely, right? we, ha we had reproductive health when I was in fifth grade. Right. At fifth grade, I had an education, and they separated the boys and the girls and then put them together. They talked to you about your private parts. Right. Everybody in the room had the same private parts, so there was no embarrassment. Yep. And then they tell you what your body part contributes to the act of reproduction. And then you put everybody together. Then you talk about, you know, how both interact. It wasn't about sex. It wasn't about oral sex or fisting or anything. It was about this creates this life. And that's how we got here. And that's all it was. It wasn't about kink. It wasn't about anything. We could all relate to it as, as you know, and it didn't matter if you were gay or straight. You learned how humans are formed. And that was it. And when the sex stuff, you know, is taught about, it's taught, it was taught about at higher grades, you know, like right. late middle school, high school, that's when they would start to talk about, you know, safe sex, and also contraception, now, like, those it's, things. It's, it's like sexual education has devolved to the point where they are instructing people on how to masturbate. Yeah. They're telling kids about anal sex, about it's anal gross. beads. No one had to teach stuff, me how to masturbate. Shit. No, but yeah, you don't have to teach kids how to masturbate. They all figure it out yeah. on their own. And yeah. really all you have to say is like, you know, this is a thing. It happens. Like it's not shameful and that's it. And yeah. you move past it. And you yeah. have any other questions? You talk to your parents talk about your it. Parents. Cause like, you know, I don't I, know where this whole idea of teachers becoming the, like, you know, in local parentis, like the, the, the local parent for everything else, yeah. you know, now it's like, stop. No, the whole masturbation thing. I, I distinctly remember learning about it. It was a friend. And he said, hey, did you know when you do this? It was a group of guys. Do you know when you do this, this happens? Really? I didn't know that. And yeah. then you do it and you come back. You go, oh, my God, I did it. And it felt like I wanted to pee. So I stopped. And I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and it was like, I, re I distinctly remember these conversations. Yeah. You Kids figure it out on their own for the most part. But even though, even if you feel like, oh, well, teachers should be teaching this stuff. Frankly, like as, you know, as someone, if I was a teacher, I wouldn't want the responsibility of having to teach those things to kids. No. I would tell them to go ask their parent because I wouldn't even be wanting to have this conversation. So the fact that there are teachers. A red flag right you know, there. It's a red flag. Anyone <laughs> who's not that kid's parent who's jumping at the opportunity to have those discussions. Let me tell your children yeah. about fetishes. Yeah. No. I, oh, that Jeffrey Marsh. Do you know oh, gosh. He's so, he's so, he is so icky to me. Creepy. Like, oh. Is creepy, cringy, annoying. He is everything. And do you know he charges uh, you like three fifth, three hundred and fifty dollars for thirty minute consultation with him? That's if brilliant. Wanna, if you want to feel good, oh yeah, it's complete. God. And they call and they call seven hundred dollars an hour. That is a yeah. right. And they call Damn. us the grifters. We're making shit. Right, right. He, he goes online, he makes you feel horrible about yourself, that you had a horrible upbringing, but he could make you feel better just yeah. by telling you what a beautiful person you are at $350 every 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Crazy, 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 crazy. I love that idea. All right, I'm I'm going to switch back into what okay. we brought 
earlier, um, the backlash, you know, the hate that, that you've been receiving, maybe talk a bit about that. Like what, what types of things, you know, have you been experiencing? Are people sending you hate mail? Like, is anyone showing up to your house? Have you been like attacked like physically or anything like that? Okay. No, um, so far, uh, the attacks are, um, just, just online kid stuff. And I think, you know, and, and I, this probably goes for people generally in my age group. We don't take anything online serious. Like yeah. there, there are people who are like calling their local police because someone in Kansas said they're going to come for you. And it's like, we know that 99.9% .9 of the time it's just Hot air. right. But I'm not going to pretend that it's like, oh my God, I'm devastated. So I, I'm getting these mostly kids that are writing to me and telling me I know nothing about drag. I've never worked in the industry. Um, that I look like a brick. That I look that I look like a bowl of dusty, musty oatmeal. Um, and, and, and then a lot of and a lot of what they a lot of what they do is they they parrot the things that they hear on RuPaul's Drag Race yeah. and all these like, you know, these iconic phrases that these queens say, and then they package them up and then try to regurgitate it back to me. And I let them know, I go, oh, you got that from Fifi O'Hare from RuPaul's Drag Race. You got this from so-and-so. I go, yeah, I've worked with all these people. Trust me, I know the language. I know the culture. I know these people. I, I know I've judged shows for years. I've put them on for years. I've performed. You're not gonna. You're not hurting me with these ridiculous things you're saying. In fact, it's entertaining. And then I use it on a show of mine. I will read all of their mail, and everybody just laughs at it. <laughs> so Brent, Brent is convinced that RuPaul's Drag Race is like very much one of the core influences that is creating this whole, you know, gender bending ideology that we're seeing now. Is like, you know, the kid, the, the parents put it on at home. And the mm -hmm. kids sit down and they watch it with the parents. The parents are reacting positively to the show. And when a kid sees that, you know, all a kid wants is attention. They want attention really? from the parents. They want attention from the adults. They're seeing the adults give the attention to these adults who are doing this. And then they start to think, well, maybe if I do that, maybe if I dress up as the other gender, or maybe I am the other sex. Right. Mommy I'll get more will, attention. Mommy you know? will love me if mommy I put will, drag on. Yeah. Mommy will love me. Daddy will give me attention. Maybe, maybe daddy will play with me if I'm wearing a dress. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, the funny thing is I've told parents this, I go, if you think it's such a valuable lesson, why don't you, dad, dress up as a woman and read to your kid at home? Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, to go outside of the home to try to learn a good lesson is kind of odd. If you want to teach diversity and inclusivity, why aren't you modeling it at home and your child yeah. will grow up with it anyway? Well, this brings up a good point, though, because, you know, a lot of these videos I'm seeing online of the drag shows, you know, in restaurants and places like this where the kids are there, it's mostly all women in attendance. Like, there's no yeah, gay right. men there. And this is what people need to understand. Like, most gay men don't support this. Maybe they're staying quiet about it because they don't yeah. want to... They don't want to stand out and be canceled by the woke mob, but really it's these, these freaking like Karens, these, these wine moms who are bored as hell. And they think this is the next, you know, the next cause that they got to be a part of. So they're the ones going to these events, putting them on, sponsoring them, bringing their kids to them. And where the hell are the fathers? Where are the dads standing up and saying, uh-uh, no, no, honey, you're not bringing my kid to this. And I think there is, you know, a distinct lack of, True masculinity, and I mean masculinity in the sense of protecting.
I don't mean, you know, the toxic type, because there's also toxic femininity, which is what I'm oh, talking about. Here. That's what this is. This is <laughs> toxic femininity is very much at the core of this whole gender ideology stuff. It is the HR departments, and it's mostly women pushing this stuff, but we don't want to have that conversation, you know? And even J.K. Rowling, people like her don't seem like willing to acknowledge that, you know, despite the fact that it's men dressing up as women and they are invading women's spaces and all this stuff. And yeah, it violates women's rights. Women in many ways have allowed this to happen and have pushed for it. Oh, totally. And, they, and they're actually, they're, they're, they're complicit in their own erasure. Yeah. If it, that's what cracks me up is that, you know, they, they fight for female rights, civil rights, you know, uh, equality. And then what they do is they welcome men into sports to beat them. Yeah. So it takes away their opportunity of, winning their opportunity of scholarships everything and, and I, I it just really shocks me to see women not be able to define what a woman is and say that a man in a dress is equal in womanhood to them yeah and, and it just yeah. really shocks me and then you have people you know who do like eventually they'll say something like macy gray and then the woke mob comes after them they get canceled then, you know, there, there are PR people probably take them behind stage and they say, hey, you know, if you want your album to sell and if walk you want your back. career, walk that back. And instead of just standing their ground, they walk it back. And mm -hmm. when you point out the cowardice of this and look, I love J.K. Rowling. You know, I do support what she's doing. I think what she's doing is amazing. Instead of admitting that, hey, that is cowardice, they say, well, no, it's more misogyny. It's easier for a man to speak out about these things. They're going to get less hate and less backlash. Not true. Matt Walsh is getting death threats all the freaking time. You know, what it comes down to is more women do have to speak out about this and stand their ground and to stop cowering when the woke mob comes after them. Otherwise, it isn't going to change. It can't just be the men, although we do need more men, of course. You know, we do. Well, yeah. And we don't. Well, and I, I'm even, you know, getting sick of women even <laughs> using like past oppression yeah. to, um, you know, like I've been like when I grew up, Madonna was everything. When I was 14, <laughs> she was at the height of everything. Right. She has been for the whole time she's been talking about I've, I'm oppressed. Men have more power, this and that. She's a billionaire now. And <laughs> she is still right. her, her whole new face online saying I can't age because people will talk shit when she is completely surrounding herself with nothing but teenagers yeah. all the time yeah. and it's like honey you're the biggest ageist i've even known yeah. you don't hang and out with people your own freaking age you know no and oppressed come on madonna is one of the least oppressed people in the world right now the vast majority of men in this world right now will never have that kind of wealth and privilege no never sure. never and I mean, she's so privileged, she can go somewhere, buy kids, bring them back to the United States, live exactly the life that she wants to live, say and do exactly what she wants, and you're still crying about it. And I don't, I don't, it, that, so it's Not part of the whole shtick. It's part of the whole shtick. Yeah. And as soon as you start to criticize women at all, like it, you know, it, like women as the group or women with like the capital W, they immediately start flinging accusations of misogyny. Oh, yeah. well, just a this, that, and the third. And it's like, honey, like. If I that's your most powerful tool, then you're not very strong anyway. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and mean, this oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I mean, because I don't mind. If I don't like something a person of color says or does, I will say it. And I don't right. care. And they'll, oh, well, you're racist. Oh, really? Because 
wait a minute. I'd be racist if I gave them a break because of their color. Yes. You know, I, well, they don't yeah. know any better. No, you know better. You should do better, say better, act better. And I don't care what color you are. I mean, yeah. I just don't. And and so I, I'm not afraid to call people out if they don't have, if they're not exactly like me. Yeah, they call that the racism of low expectations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, and that's also the same thing. Like we see that the the left constantly, uh, you know, they claim ownership over black people, over women, over gay oh, yeah. people, yep. over trans people. They do not own anyone. And there are people from all groups on both sides of the aisle, yep. and they hate being reminded of that. They, they really hate, hate it. it. They hate seeing it. That's why they have to censor us. Because yeah. when you are gay, or when you're a drag queen, or when you're trans, and you speak out against the, their side, they get extra incensed. Yeah, we we had um, really makes them look bad. We had Sarah Higdon on the show already, who is a, a trans woman and identifies mm -hmm. as trans, you know, and is right leaning, is more conservative, and they all oh, they accuse you know accuse her of all types of crazy, like you're not a real trans person, all this stuff. It's like. Sarah post op. Like if anyone is more trans, like most trans people don't even have the operations. And granted, we probably advise, you know, that they probably shouldn't because there are a lot of complications with that. Go watch our last episode with Shapeshifter, who also had the operation and it didn't turn out well. But for some people, a, a very small amount, I would say, fine. It turns out well for them. They did it when they were older, when they were adults. They accuse us of being transphobes and all this stuff. It's like, no, we will bring Sarah on our show. We'll talk to Sarah. I will break bread with Sarah any day of the week. You know, I've, it's not a matter of phobic. It's a matter of, are you a rational human being, a rational adult? Can right? we have a conversation? Can we have a conversation? <laughs> or, or, you know, if you're trans and you don't expect me to play this mental game of seeing you exactly as the sex that you are now trying to appear as the opposite, then we're fine. But if you're going to try to make us play this mental game with you, that not only must we use the pronouns, but we have to, in our minds, see you as that, you know, trans women are women. Not well, playing. You know, it it sounds like they don't want to have sincere, honest relationships with people. No. Not the radicals. No, no. no. And, and the ones who aren't radical, honestly, they want to pass as much as possible and just be left alone. Like it has nothing to do with like waving into people's faces and, and saying, I'm here and I'm trans and you're going to accept me. It's like, they literally just want to blend into society. Um, for some, that's not always possible. You know, like our last episode, I mentioned we had shapeshifter on, you know, he's, he talked about being in like this sort of pink bubble for a long time where even though he, he passes pretty well still, even though in the process of detrans, he just had people around him affirming all the time that he did. And it wasn't until he got out of that bubble that he realized he didn't totally pass and had to kind of confront the reality of the situation. You know, he was sold this idea that you can actually change your sex with these surgeries. And I wonder if he's a part of, is he part of trans against groomers? I think he's associated with them. Yeah. yeah he's, just, he's, he's in touch. I think he I might don't know be if like member. the, the grouping is very, it's very loose. Like we're yeah, all right. sort of, like associated. Yeah, we're associated too, but we're not like official like members or anything. Right. Like that. But we're friends with a lot of the members that we we're know. We're friends. Yeah. We participate in their spaces. Yeah, Mike. Well, yeah, any, any yeah. gay person, you know, started with gays against groomers and it went to trans against groomers yes. and yeah. anybody could be a part of it, you know, and it's, you know, it has to be an official member and it's, it's, it's gotten so big and these, they, they actually had a, had a, they separated the trans people because they have a huge voice in this. And they do. a lot of people were confused probably with gays, just thinking it's gays, but no, it's great. And I love to see 
how uh, because there are these organized groups, more people in the so-called community are able to come out and have a place to go to yes. and speak their opinion and have people have their back. Yeah, yeah that's, that's important. A, the New York chapter head, uh, he's, his name's Michael. He's a uh, really funny guy. He's in a neuro lab up at Columbia University. And this was the first time he ever spoke out on these issues. Why are you doxing him, Brent? They're going to come after him. Well, I'm just, well, <laughs> he said it publicly. Yeah. He said it public. This is public information. Um, but my point is that he was not, you know, out on these issues. He wasn't speaking publicly on these issues until Gays Against Groomers became like a yep. meme. And then he was like, oh, you know, I feel comfortable like aligning with that group and mm -hmm. that group, Sounds you know, representing me. Yeah. Well, if you, if you, you know, don't see that there are people who are going to have your back, it is definitely way more difficult to stand up and do something. And, and, you know, and I commend the people who, who were doing it before there were groups that well, social, formed, you know? social ostracization is the, like, it's one of our ancient fears as yeah, humans right. it was a death sentence yep. uh in prior ages and so when they come to cancel you like that you know that's really the energy of that is is what would would have happened in a tribe a very small tribe of people living you know thousands and thousands of years ago in the woods and you got one person in your group that is pathological or threatening the integrity of the group you have to get them out because otherwise they're just going to cause more and more problems and so now we're in the situation where we have those those same uh, hardwiring, all that same genetic hardwiring, that evolutionary programming, and we're in a society that is not really meant for it. And so we're we're grappling with the cancellation culture on a macro social scale. So when they want to cancel you, when they when they send you those hate mail, like that energy is the energy of we want to never see you again and possibly end your existence. So it's you, you want to know what's what's funny about the these haters that come after me is I will then have a private conversation with them after they publicly are, you know, putting me down and trying to entertain everybody with their witty, you know, uh, cliche word, you know, things that they say to me. So we'll write privately. And it's so funny because we get to the point in the conversation where they say not every drag performance is like that. And I said, your statement just reaffirms what I said, because you said not every. So yeah. that means some do. And I'm talking about the some. I'm yep. not talking about all of them. So even in your own language, you're agreeing that there are some inappropriate things that are being done in front of children. You are just too much of a coward to say it. And yeah. you don't like me standing up and having the courage to say it. And then once that happens, the conversation's over with. Because they... they they know they lost. They know they're they're a coward. They have certain beliefs, and they won't say it publicly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. they're afraid because they know that they can't. You can't defend these ideas as soon as you. That's no. why they have to. They have to use innuendo. They use endless logical fallacy. One of my favorite is the Mott and the Bailey, where they they defend a reasonable position, which is actually just a smokescreen for what's actually happening. So they'll mm -hmm. say something. Like, we just want to educate the kids on gay people and that gay people and that drag queens and trans people exist. And that's either, I can't remember if it's the Mott or the Bailey, but it's that's the defensible position when really what they're doing is they're indoctrinating small children into this gender ideology where you can pick your gender. You can be a boy. You can be a girl. You can be both. You can be neither. And that's really the danger because that's you're lying to children, small children, impressionable children about the nature of reality. And you're setting them up for disappointment. And this is the same thing we saw with Shape in our last thing. They're telling these kids lies. These kids are 
forming their expectations based on those lies. And then when they're confronted with reality, it's like a rude awakening that can shatter some of their lives because you know they've been told one thing the entire point, and then they realize, gee whiz, that's 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 a lie. That's not true. I mean, I operated my entire life on the theory that I could become this other sex or that I could be whatever I want. And now my body's wrecked. I've got all these physical problems. Yeah. I'm going to need, you know, hormones and chemicals. For Most of them, yeah, they're, they're going to be lifelong big pharma customers. So many surgeries. Yeah. And they don't talk about, you know, it's not just one or two surgeries. These people have like anywhere from like six to 12 <laughs> facial feminization, yeah. like all these surgeries. And it's just money, 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 money. And to, to even point that out, you know, to even mention, you know, it, you just become, oh, well, you're just trying to erase trans kids. It's like, yeah. What? <laughs> it would be different. It would be different if they were just upfront about all of that and said, you know, look, chances are this might not solve your problems. You know, maybe it'll help with some of your dysphoria, but here are all these other things that could happen. Here are all these other complications that could arise. Are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? We should be asking that a million times before we ever let anyone go under the knife or start putting these chemicals in their bodies. And that used to be the approach. The watchful waiting approach used to be how they handled people who had dysphoria symptoms. Now it's like, you know, if you have any little sign of not, you know, being feminine enough as a woman or not being masculine enough as a boy, you know, as a guy, like, well, you must be that, you know, then, oh, you feel like you're the other one? Sure, here you go. You know, here's your subscription after a couple of psychiatric appointments and stuff, and they just send them on their way. And, and then when something goes wrong, the surgeons and stuff don't want anything to do with them anymore. No, and I, you know, and I think... I think they're using drag as a gateway to that. Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, it's naturally the gateway to it. I mean, um, uh, you get someone of the opposite sex dressing as the opposite sex. And, you know, and a lot of times I get the impression that they think or they're telling children that we live like this, that the vast majority of people who are on that stage get off that stage and go home and remove everything. And they do not live like that. Right. Now, there has been, if you notice on RuPaul's Drag Race, people have slipped, trans people have tr been trickling in as the, the um, as drag contestants in, in the reality show contest. And RuPaul was against it at first. And RuPaul got backlash hmm. because RuPaul is, is a little older than me, but we're roughly in the same age group. He has the opinion, well, drag is a man who is doing a woman and, you know, and it's sexy and it's adult. He had all the classic beliefs of what drag is. But then when he got hate mail and then when, you know, he started coming down on the show, completely had to change his opinion. Well, just like Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton decided all of a sudden they liked gay marriage when they were right. or when they were against yeah. it. So it's all about money and popularity and, you know, access and things like that. You know, these grown adults, middle-aged and older adults all of a sudden have epiphanies and change their ideas as soon as money is involved. Yeah. And now we got Dylan, <laughs> Dylan Mulvaney sitting down with the president. Uh, you know, I, you know what? I watch that guy. He's a, that's a dude. And yeah. I watch him and I'm like, is he really trolling? I mean, I troll I'm from as sure. a different, as a different character I've told for years. And this guy, I'm like, we're going to talk about that. Actually, that was one of the things we wanted to get into. So, so I was on your, I was on your Facebook. Wait, wait, let her finish your point. Finish your point. No, but, but, but I'm thinking it, it, it to me, it comes off as a complete mockery. It could like be. He's, yeah. He's, he's mocking women, but I think he's also mocking trans people. Well, he, he doesn't even, 
he doesn't even call himself a woman. He identifies as a little girl, a girl. as a girl, like which is even weirder, you know. It's, girl. That's even worse. That's even worse. I didn't know that part. He's not talking about womanhood. He's talking about girlhood. He calls it. And which then is and like, he's in the, oh, the, in the White House. The, the thing yeah. with Dylan, though, that is just so obvious, it's that it's really it's a performance. It's a performance, and it's for the money. And granted, he's taking it probably to the nth extreme yeah. now because he's being so positive. So much attention. Yeah. I mean, he went from having a you know a, a not, like nothing. He was not on anybody's radar. He had a couple of viral moments. Yeah, didn't he appear on Jeopardy or something? Price Real, is right. Price is he right. had a yeah. he had a very a viral. Price is Right sort of freak out because he was just so crazy. Yeah. Um, but he was, and he's been, you know, he's, he got naked on stage with a band called the Skivvies and did a performance. Or not naked, but I guess he was in like his underwear. Underwear. So he's, and, a, he's a performer. He's a performer. A narcissist. This is clearly someone who really is desperate for attention. I don't know if this is rooted in his family issues in the past, probably, right? But clearly, they're really desperate for attention. And then as soon as they found out that the girlhood thing, the trans thing worked and getting them that attention, I think they just threw themselves completely. I think he's got it. like over 5 million followers Something on TikTok. Like Something like that. But, um, Good for him. So you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned trolling before. And I was on your Facebook earlier. And I saw you posted that you are Hagatha Sisti. Yes. Is this true? I want to confirm this. Yes, I am. What do you, have you heard of Hagatha? Of course. I mean, we, we, we saw some of these videos a couple years ago and thought they were hilarious. I love these know. videos. <laughs> I had no idea that this was also No, you. I had no idea it was the same I, I, I also love the play on the name Agatha Christie. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> Um, I had no idea this was also you, so I just kind of wanted to confirm. I wasn't sure if this was true or not, but... <laughs> <laughs> you need to take a look at this. <laughs> you see that? That means children will no longer get an education that they need and deserve to have a good, decent life. They're not going to learn about pronouns. I mean, it's a breakdown of the English communication if they don't teach them that. And then also, they can't display the pride um, flag anymore. Do you know what's going to happen to these children? They can't educate them on their sexuality anymore. This means children are not going to know anything about golden showers and puppy play and things like that. These are important things they're going to actually need in life, okay? You guys, we need to do better, and we can't stand for this. They're trying to erase us. This is great, you know. And it's funny too because when I would see these videos, there were a lot of people who who thought you were serious. You know, they they don't realize That's, that it's, it's even better that this is a parody. But it's just it shouldn't be obvious. It's very over the top. We the live glasses. in the, we're in the age of like parody yeah. question mark. That's true. You can't always tell anymore, especially with people like Dylan, right, going around taking it as serious as they seem to. Like you can't even tell anymore. Um, for example, the woodshop teacher up in Canada with the giant, <laughs> right? Like, I'm starting to suspect that is a troll. And there are rumors on Reddit, you know. Yes, I've seen it too. Some, yeah, apparently some students went on Reddit and said that, you know, this teacher from the rumors apparently had problems with the school district a few years ago, you know, by, I guess, questioning the woke stuff in their class and getting backlash from the school district. So they show up this year all of a sudden as, as a woman as not just a woman but like as like the <laughs> most 
ridiculous caricature you can think of as a woman. And by the school's own policies, they have to affirm this person. You know, and some people suspect that he's like trying to get like fired so he can like sue them or whatever. I don't know what his intentions are, but man, if that guy is a troll, that is one of the most masterful trolling incidents ever. I love I love the whole thing. When I heard it, he might possibly be a troll, I went, "Wow, I would love it. I would love to see. Th- I can't wait to see how it all ends." Yeah, apparently the students are in on it. That's according to the rumors. Like a lot of them know that this guy is not serious. And I, you know, it's, I came up with Hoggatha one day. I was like bored and I went, you know what? I was just thinking how crazy the world is. And I'm like, yeah. I'm going to do this character. First of all, it takes me five minutes to get into that. <laughs> get it. Or this takes me hours. So I'm like, right. well, I can create a new character. That's really easy to do. And so I did it and I found out that people absolutely believed it. And I was, I was shocked. I didn't expect that. And then I went, okay, I'm going to keep going. Now I'm going to come up with a backstory. So as I'm in it, all of my shows were live. I never really recorded much. It was all live and people start piling in. And of course, you know, the nature, oh my God, I'm going to share this. Look at this freak. And so I get tons of people watching me. And at one point during the election cycle, when Hillary was on stage with um, Lady Gaga, I had more viewers watching me on Facebook than she had. Once Lady, once Lady Gaga left, I was watching it. Once Lady Gaga got off stage and it was just Hillary Clinton, I had more viewers than Hillary Clinton. Wow. But anyway, so, Hillary so Zero. So I keep I I was just coming up with different stories and I had to remember what my whole storyline is. And then it just started writing itself. And then eventually some people started, wait, this isn't real then i would tell them if they wrote to me i'd say yeah it's an act but the 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 fun of it became i had different audiences some who knew and some who didn't and then some who would come in to trash me and i which i loved because i love i love going up against haters and so i would trash them online and people loved it and they're all sending me money and it's like wow this is crazy and i've been doing that for three years and a lot of people are in on it now, so I don't get a lot of the looky-loos that kind of just drop in and, oh my God, this freak of nature. A lot of people know it's it's an act, but they still enjoy it. It's just not what it used to be. So I've been, you know, trying to find a new way of reviving, putting new life into that. Did the account, did they kick you off of Twitter? Um. Okay, yes, I was permanently banned from Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't find it on there. If any, but no, if anybody, um, if you have a problem with Twitter, this is what I did. I tried everything to get a new account, everything, and it just will not. So I had a friend in Florida create an account and then they sent me, and I don't know if maybe it's the distance, maybe, I don't know, sent me all the information I, I'm able to log on. And I do have a Twitter account now and it's called, he named it Helen De Keller, like Helen Keller. But with DA instead of, you know, and so I, I am on, on Twitter. I do lay low a little bit. Um, I was extremely popular really on TikTok. Um, now, TikTok's good about banning you and then letting you come back on. I've, I've had many, many, many accounts. Um, I just don't use it anymore. It just, it's no fun establishing new accounts all the time. So yeah. I rarely do TikTok. 
Yeah, I feel you. I've uh, I have a TikTok. I have fun with it, but I find sometimes I'll post like what I think is an innocuous video that's not too spicy, and they'll pull it down for like hate speech or something. I'm just like, what? oh yeah, that that's the place for the bully reporting. It yeah, is definitely yeah. TikTok. If you get enough bullies that talk, you don't like what you're doing, they will TikTok will acquiesce to the bullies and say, yeah, young, wants to see this. a younger crowd too, mostly. Well, they probably, the reporting's, I guess, automated because one, they they're Chinese, so they don't speak a lot of English, and two, their volume is like pretty high, so I doubt they actually have somebody like physically reviewing material. Mm -hmm. They're probably like, all algorithmically, and so if they get a certain threshold, certain number of reports, they'll just pull your shit down, you know, automatically. Uh, just for it. And if they get too many too often, then they'll flag the account and the account gets nuked. Yep. But uh, TikTok is actually where I've had the, the most growth, I think, out of any platform myself. I, I have like 2,500 followers on there right now, mm -hmm. which is like a lot for me. Um, so <laughs> very happy about that. And it does give me a plate. Like I like their editing software because the way that I can do it, it, it makes their own captions. So yes. I don't have to really try. And then it's really easy for me to just make a little title like thing to splash image for a thumbnail. Um, so I, I kind of like it. It's it's a little interesting though, and the people on there are weird. There's some interesting folks on TikTok, and there's a oh, lot of yeah. I mean, I follow everything from people who have their own like farms and like animal accounts to like fit like people that work out that Hot are like bros. very pretty. And then there's just like <laughs> random funny people that I follow. That like there's this one kid in Florida who just like climbs trees. And so he's always in a tree, and then there's this crabber in Louisiana who's got crabs, and I'm always learning about. What like, about the one th that tarantulas? Oh, <laughs> Westside West Tiles is, is an account to follow on TikTok. He always has really cool bug videos, and they're always these like exotic large tarantulas or scorpions or cockroaches, and he's like handling them. It's really, really intense. Anyway, oh that's so much on TikTok, so much. <laughs> it's a little overwhelming. I mostly stay off of there, but I'm on there now and. My page, I just post about like nerdy book stuff and music and art and stuff. That's what it's for, though. That's what it's for. It's yeah. for your, your little niche, whatever your niche is, whatever your niche content. They, you know, that's what it's for. And you'll find people. There's so many people on there, and the algorithm is actually really good at sorting you content that you want to see. So once you've been on there for a while and you've, you know, in interacted with it a little bit, it's really good at showing you things that you actually want to see. Yeah, you'll find your people on TikTok if you're there. If you put enough time into it, yeah, you'll find your people. Yeah, it can get a little weird and annoying at times. Uh, to me, it's just there's there's too many apps, too many social media. So I many. I can't freaking keep up with all of them. Just Twitter <laughs> is exhausting enough, to be honest. And then Instagram like hates us. They shadow ban the hell out of us. So, <laughs> well, it's funny you talk about the the social media. I was trying to remember where I talked to you guys at, and I'm going through all of my social media last night. Because I'm not, I don't have a big production going on here. And so I have no assistance or anything. And I'm late at night and my phone just going through everything going, where did I talk to these guys at? And it was this morning that I finally found you on Instagram. Oh, like Instagram yeah. yeah. No, I, I don't blame you. Actually, anyone's listening, Kitty needs an assistant right away. If you're willing to work for free or like make <laughs> lessons or whatever, like... Get Kitty and his sister now. You know, I do have a couple. You know, it's so funny. I have somebody who worked on a website for me. He's the the person in Florida. Um, it's funny. He's a he's a gay man who works for the RNC. And um, yeah, it's so funny how they they love to talk about the homophobia. And it. it's like yeah. you wouldn't believe how many homosexuals I've made. 
I've known on this side. How many how many Fox producers are gay that I've met? Yep. How, so I mean, many. Even even in the Trump cabinet, I met his financial um, people at the hotel, and we kicked it in my hotel room. Flaming, flame. They're not even. <laughs> any, these are not un, D, DL homos. These are yeah. like fully out. Here I am. <laughs> Yeah. It's like the the the, the left side, suppose you know whatever. They have no idea. They have no idea what they're talking. They don't about live in reality. Talking. I don't think they understand. Like they like anyone can hold some conservative values. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're like a Christian fundamentalist, no. nationalist, all that stuff. It does nothing to do with that stuff. You know, no. yeah, sure, those people are there, but they're they're honestly a minority on that on that <laughs> when side. We were, when we were in Burlington, Kitty. They did a write-up in the local paper there. It's called the VT Digger. And they were calling us all Christo-fascist, white, conservative, you know, this, that, and the third, heterosexual. We were all, like, I think most of the people up there were gay. It was, yeah. like, me, I'm gay. Josh Lockham's yeah. gay. Josh, Fred Sargent's Josh gay. is also atheist. His so, partner's gay. Yeah. Chris Felker. Chris Aaron Felker is the uh, Vermont <laughs> head of the GOP party. He's the elected head of the party up there. He's gay. I mean, there's so many gays that are on our side. I honestly think that they don't have the numbers. I think we are actually the, the pre predominant viewpoint. And the reason they, they have to cancel us and promote people like Dylan Mulvaney, you know, right up to, you know, putting them up with the president is because they're trying to create this false perception that they are the dominant per perspective. Yeah when it's all created through a hall yeah. of mirrors and, and smoke and mirrors, well, social, social media, social media amplifies it. It amplifies yes. their voices, it amplifies and them and down regulates us. Plus there's a lot of okay. fake accounts and bots and things on there. There are. There. So it's just like, I think it creates this illusion that there are more of these radical lefty types than they actually are. They're just a loud minority, but, you know, all it really takes for like authoritarianism to take root is a loud, powerful minority to sway the rest of the people to either, you know, you know, follow them or to just stay silent while all of this is happening, you know, out, out of fear. It's all it really takes. So whether it's a minority <laughs> or not, it doesn't mean that we're still not facing like a very real issue here, you know, just is in the it, fact that their voices are being supported too by the establishment. Like, I don't know if this news has made it to New York yet, but in LA, we're having this huge scandal right now with our city, city council of Los Angeles which is very interesting. Um, it's, it's, well, they're all, it's a Latino city council. Okay. They were caught under on video on um, audio talking bad about black people. Okay. And they were talking, saying this little kid was a monkey and he was, he was the son of a gay white Congress member. Okay. So anyway, so it's hilarious. So they, they went after the gay with an adopted black kid they, and and these are people who are drawing districts for um, in, in LA for the votes, and they're doing it according to demographics and things like this. Huge scandal. This should be a national story. Yeah, it, it's blatant racism. It's on tape right now. They're at one of their houses protesting, telling them to, to resign. He won't resign. This is a huge thing about equity, race. You couldn't write a better story. It involves Latinos, blacks, whites, gay, adoption, yeah. everything. And this has not become a national scandal. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy the way that these are things that 
be. I mean, also the COVID response and the COVID scenario, they want to have a January 6th committee and drag that on for months and months and months and pull in the press, pet, the press president, put him on the stand. You know, why are we not having this, this whole, like the, 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 the way that they focus attention on things that don't matter and then ignore things that really do matter just right. tells me that we are being manipulated and lied to from the top down yeah like, it's it's very sophisticated okay. propaganda very man. sophisticated oh, yeah. yeah i don't know if you've ever heard of edward bernays i like to bring him up on this show but he was the no, nephew no. he was the nephew of sigmund freud and he literally wrote the book propaganda <laughs> he wrote the book like, propaganda. literally wrote the book on it and you know he took like the the crowd psychology theories of uh this guy gustav lebon and then he took you know the analytical psychoanalytic theories of his uncle and fused them together to create this whole like style of propaganda how to mold the public mind and he used to work for corporations and political campaigns and things like that to teach them how to sell a product or how to sell an idea during a campaign like this is what the elite study these are the books they read this is the you know this is the material they they study because they want to know how to do that how do we mold the public mind in a particular direction if you don't understand the tools that are being used against you you're going to be more susceptible to this stuff right. no one no one is like exempt from being influenced by propaganda, you know, including myself. I know I am, but mm -hmm. because I know I am and because I recognize the methods, I'm less likely to be influenced or more likely to recognize when I am being influenced and then to step out of that. that. But anyone who says that they're not susceptible to propaganda, you are the most susceptible. Right. It's like, it's like somebody not quite, if you don't question your sanity, then you probably are crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of this clip, uh, Mika Bresninski. She's the, uh, the daughter of Zignal Bresninski, oh, who yeah. is the architect of the Vietnam and the Cold War. She was caught on camera lamenting the fact that uh, some people were influencing, you know, the masses. And I'll just, I'll just play the clip real quick. Oh, I know who she is, yeah. He could have undermined the messaging so much that he can actually control right. uh, exactly what people think. And that is the that is if our you, job. Yeah. <laughs> and that is our job. <laughs> She's talking about Donald Trump right there, yeah. worried that he's going <laughs> to... Tell people what to think. And she's that's that's that, our job. That's our job. That's How the media. You. That is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I had a slip there. Forty yeah, and one slip. of those times where, like, you know, the the mask comes the off. Mask for us. Like, I love like, those moments. Seeing how the sausage is made. Like, <laughs> Damn. All right, so we are at about an hour and twenty almost. Yeah, we can it down. So I guess we'll we'll start to wrap it up. Um, I want okay. to ask you know, Kitty, I guess some of your final thoughts on. You know, where do you think this whole culture war, war is heading? And, you know, do you think things are going to get worse or do you see the tides turning? And, you know, if they're not turning, what do you think we can do more to turn those have tides? We, have we reached peak crazy? Yeah. Is this going to get crazy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, and it's such a common thing to say, I can't see it getting crazier. But then, then it gets crazier. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's my hope my hope of course that people like us uh, a part of the community who 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 go out there and are actually speaking hopefully our voices start to get amplified they start doubling and people start listening and where you can you know be okay with the community be okay with drag but just you know watch it from a distance and not involve your children in it you know it, it's i don't know and i don't even think gay people have thought about this what is this doing to you 
when when all of a sudden all these like tomboys are turning into men and all of these sissy fairy boys are turning into women where does that leave homosexuality it's like i'll tell you working in the club it was already an issue honestly it was a conversation between me another manager and the owners how to masculinize the club back again because the clubs were turning into go-go boys starting to wear corsets and garters and really feminizing and it's like there were no like dudes you know what i mean it's like they, they were telling the bartenders, stop wearing makeup, start, you know, start being a guy like men want to come in and they want to buy a drink from a man. It, it's like even, even the feminine, the feminine boys, the feminine gays, they want a man. They don't want another femme. And, I mean, <laughs> and the drag queens know that more than anything. There are so many single drag queens because they take their job a little too seriously. Yeah. And it, it's like. So what what is it what does that mean for homosexuality in the future if if we are now saying, you know, if you're a, a feminine man, you're not really a man, you're a woman. So hopefully we're pushing back on all of this. And you know, no one's saying no one's against trans people. We're just against trans children. Yes. You know, medicalizing. No such it, thing. It's there there aren't trans kids, it's not a thing. We have to even stop using this terminology, I think. It, yeah, it isn't. I mean, what does that mean? You went from an adult to a kid? You know, it, it's it yeah, when they say trans kid, I mean you went from what something to a kid, you yeah. transitioned. But you know, we put more thought in the raising of animals. We don't, you know, people are against doxing their ears, cutting off their tails, you know, sure. modifying them in the in these manners where they don't mind medicalizing and altering children before they even have a brain that's old enough to come up with these concepts and make these lifelong decisions. That's why you wait till you're an adult to make such decisions. This is why we try children as children when they commit a crime, because they don't know any better. They might come up from a bad household. We, they might come from a place that has the wrong influence. And it, it's like, there's a reason why children cannot make certain decisions. And definitely one of them should not be to make a lifelong decision and altering their 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 biology or their, their chemistry. A lot of these kids can't even have children when they decide, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. It, and the, fact, it, the fact of the matter is too, probably at least 80% of them are going to just turn into gay and lesbian and bisexual adults. And yeah. How is this not like a form of conversion therapy when you really think about it? And there are some who make that argument, but that's what it comes down to is like most gender non-conforming kids are going to just end up gay, lesbian, and bisexual when they're adult. Right. You know, when, when I was a, when I was a little boy and all my friends were girls, all I, all I wanted to do was to be a girl like them and come to school and be pretty and have my dad, you know, have me the favorite in the family. Cause I'm the girl and have the boys want me. Cause I knew I was gay. So I wanted boys attention. And it's like, you know, it wasn't until honestly, until my, my mid twenties, late twenties, I went, you know what? I'm cool with being a guy. I'm able to navigate through the men's world. I'm no longer being called faggot anymore, which which I'll say built my character and toughened me up. Yeah, and it, it was like I then I'm like God, thank God that I did not have the option to become a girl. Yeah, if you were being raised like if you were being raised in today's world and you had you know if you were in a particular political environment or had you know certain parents who aligned politically with these ideologies, who knows? You know, you you would be on 
puberty blockers right now, perhaps. I, I love that I had fan. I hated him then. I'll say that I hated my parents then, but I love him now. When my when my when I wanted to pierce my ear, one piercing in my ear, my my parents are like, "No, this is my body until you're 18. I will take care of it. And then when you move out, you do whatever the hell you want." And I'm like. All right. I hated it at the time and I pushed the boundary. I wore a clip on. But you know what I mean? It, it's like at least you know that there were parameters and, you know, and there's a smart way of kind of getting around these things. But you just tell a kid, hey, you want to be a girl? Let's let's take you to San Francisco, uh, your daughter, and say, let's cut your tits off. I it's knew. They, they I knew a family. I knew a family who did one. That's crazy. It's like they don't want a parent anymore. The kids are now taking control. They're the ones leading the way. And that's backwards. That's not how it's supposed to be. Like, like there, are, there are always going to be moments where your kid says, I hate you for not letting them do something. Or I'm going to kill myself. You know how many kids say that, you know, when you don't let them get their way? All of them. Almost all of them. At one point. At one point. So you, you don't just affirm, 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 like whatever, you know, oh my God, they might kill themselves. And the fact that these doctors have the, the audacity to say to these parents that if you don't affirm that that's what's going to happen, they're, you know, I, if anything, more responsible, I think, in, the, in all of this. And I think there needs to be some trials. I want to see some people behind bars. That's my opinion. These surgeons, these doctors, and even some of these parents who allowed this to happen, you know, and, and some of them abandoned their kids afterward, too, because they don't want to, I think, put the blame onto themselves that they had a hand in that by not being parents. So well, there, there are adults out there who are mad at their parents for not stopping them when they were kids. Yeah. So either so. you're going to your kids going to, you know, at some point you're going to have to be a parent and you're going to be held responsible, whether it's when they're young or whether they're yeah. old. Yeah. You know, you're not going to escape it. I think it's better to have them hate you right now. And to protect them from making decisions that they are more than likely going to regret later. Of course. Than to have them hate you later for not stopping them from doing those things. And, so. and the child, your childhood is such a small portion of your life. Yeah. It's like, what? at least let them develop into what they're going to be for the majority of their life. Don't get them when, it's like getting a, a caterpillar when they're in a cocoon and, and screwing with them before they turn into a butterfly. It's like, let them turn into a butterfly. And then they can decide what they want. Uh, you know, as one at one of these protests, I saw a video on Twitter, and you know, it's funny too how a lot of these like older trans people like it, they just don't pass, and I think that's why they're so mad. And he was saying something along the lines of like, "I didn't consent to puberty," and I'm just like, think about how crazy that I didn't consent to puberty. No one does. Everyone goes through it. It's not something you consent or don't consent to. Yeah. It's just a natural process. You can't, your consent isn't required. Yeah. <laughs> right. But exactly. they're, they're saying that, you know, when kids don't want to go through it because they want to, like, pass more later in life, because that's the reasoning they're giving, you know, for giving the puber puberty blockers is they're saying it's going to help them pass more when they're adults. It's like that's the argument they're using is that no one consents to puberty. It's absurd. Yeah. There, there's also an argument with trans people, which is which is a fact, that if they don't let their penis grow to full to the full size, they won't have enough material to create the vagina that they want. And if they don't have enough material to create the vagina that they want, they use your colon, and then your vagina smells like poop. Yeah. 
That's a fact. I mean, and, yeah. and it's like, and even all these surgeries, these people are on medications for the rest of their life. Yeah. A lot of them are dealing with monthly infections. Yeah. You're basically, you're a guinea pig. Like there is no exact science to this whole thing. Yeah, that's so I don't what people are realizing this. That's, you yeah. know, again, I direct people to our last episode, episode 86, in which we talked with Shapeshifter, who, you know, is a D-trans person and went through these surgeries and is dealing with all of these problems right now. And, you know, we really sympathize with him. And, you know, and he, he went so far that he doesn't even bother to, like, try to pass as a man anymore. He still has long hair. He still has implants and all that stuff. And, and he doesn't even care what pronouns you use. Like, when you look at him, you want to say she, actually, because he still very much looks like a woman. But he, he identifies as D-trans and, and is, I'm a man. You know, I'm a biological man. And I had my penis removed. And I'm having all of these complications and I was sold this lie. And it's like, look, I beg people, please listen to those voices and hear what they have to say. And and I'm not saying pity them and because they don't want that either, but learn from their story because that's why they're telling their stories. That's why they're putting themselves in this position. That's why they're getting hate like 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 Kitty is here. The same thing. They're getting hate from these people who used to claim they were in their community. And as soon as you leave. That's it. You're dead to them. And this is why it's a cult, you know? I hate that word. I hate the community. The community. I do too. I do too. Yeah. The community. And, and I had people, they keep they keep using the community word with me yeah. online. And I'm like, what community? I go, first of all, I'm a community of the world. I'm not, I'm not going to be hijacked and I'm not going to be kidnapped into your acronym community. I never asked for that. I never did. I never signed up membership. You don't get to own me. Nope. I mean, and it's funny how they really do think they own you. Well, we're yeah. kicking you out. I go, how How are you kicking me out? I was never in it, honey. Where is Like, is it a building? I'm a, I'm a homosexual regardless if I'm in your community. I mean, exactly. it's stupid. It's just yeah. stupid. And it was never much of a community to begin with anyway. You know, even back in the gay liberation days, like gays had their own bars mostly and lesbians mm -hmm. had their own bars mostly. And it's still kind of like that today. Oh, yeah. But like lesbian problems and, and experiences are different than gay man problems and experiences, which are different than bisexual problems and experiences, which are different than someone who has gender dysphoria. Those are all not, none of them are the same thing. Right. It, it's forced teaming. The, the acronym, you know, the, the alphabet mafia, we'll call it. Mm -hmm. It's first teaming. And I think we need to go back to, you know, being individuals, <laughs> being individuals. I, I remember that was such a big thing with me growing up is nobody wanted to be in a box. Everybody wanted to be an individual. And here we are 30 years later, everybody, it can't wait to find a box yeah, to jump into. Desperate to in jump in the box. <laughs> crazy it's ridiculous how much i don't know i mean how can something change so much like a messaging i don't get it yeah yeah it's it's definitely we've been taken for a wild ride and i think it, it sort of shows the pathological minds that are at the top of the media and the, the the organizations especially that claim to speak for gay people like the hrc the human rights campaign or the uh glad uh, I forget what that stands for. Well, these groups also, you know, they used to be good groups that that defended yes, the sex. They did a rights. lot of good work for for gay rights and lesbian rights, you know, up until gay marriage. And then it's like once we got gay marriage, we basically got everything that we ever wanted and needed yeah. in terms of rights and respect. And now it's just gone. It's we're, we keep going off the so deep end. 
I'm still going too far in that direction. Personally, so. I, I think it is going to get a little crazier before it gets better. And I only say that because there's more pushback happening now. Mm-hmm. And the tides are turning in that sense where there's more pushback. But because there's more pushback, I think the radical side, they're going to push back against the pushback and things are going to get heated. Um, right. And there might, I don't know what the watershed moment is going to be. Like things are changing. I think I just saw a recent... Um, story in the uk let me pull this up really quick it was uh, i think tulip richie posted this do you know tulip um richie is uh, another yeah. d-trans richie is another uh, d-trans male person. to female yeah. to male uh in the uk who again was just a gay man who really didn't that he kind of got herded through the gender transition factory and it was really uh afterward he had similar complications and kind of got this whole process and now identifies as a d trans male and you know the thing is if we're all part of this community how come our voices don't matter you know in the community it's like oh well you're saying something we don't like you're no longer part of the community it's like well that's not a real community then oh here it is the story was on telegraph um this from the uk most children who think they're transgender are just going through a phase says the nhs doctors who told not to encourage young people to change their names and pronouns. This is a recent story. And, you know, Richie shared this and he said, you know, to those who spoke up, the professionals who raised the alarm, the academics who risked their career, the titans that held firm in their position, despite the abuse, the detransitioners, the parents, this is all because of you. Thank you. You know, and, and Richie told his story for the same reason Shapeshifter told his story. They wanted to prevent other people from making the same mistakes that they did. Um, and they're not, these aren't anti-trans people. They're not transphobes. These were trans people. And, you know, they, they definitely support adults making their own decisions with caution. Right. Make an informed, make an informed And yeah. you learn these things from people who have gone through it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see what is so, what is so controversial about doing that? Hey, I went through this process. I, you know, this is what happened, and I just, you should absorb that and think about this before you go on your journey. Right. And it, it just, to me, it's responsible. It, it's, it, it's, it's giving, it's, it's loving to actually do that. That these people who are suffering with this, who have suffered for a, a lifetime with this stuff, who are coming out and saying, I want you to know my experience, and this is what I've gone through and how I felt, that's a gift. And these people are just, treating it like like they're a piece of crap they're they're trying to you know suppress their speech and it's like it's awful yeah because you know it goes against their narrative much like yourself you know you're sharing your experience you're saying hey i'm a drag queen i've worked for many years in this industry i've worked in these clubs i know what the scene in this culture is like this isn't for kids you know and i'm testing that with my experience well yeah you know, in the in the end, it's a job. It's a hobby. It's just an act at a club. And it's like this has nothing to do with education, um, education. Like, why don't you put your kid in drama class, put him in drama class or something? Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it, I mean, because that's all it is. It That's this isn't a lifestyle. It's a costume. Yep. It's a costume and a lip sync that that is what drag is a costume and a lip sync. And I don't understand why is that so uh, it's become so culturally important. Yeah. It, it makes no sense to me. Well, it the way they, they, they take trans as an identity, uh, they, they take it to mean, you know, the way I think normal people think of trans is if you are a trans person, if you have transitioned, 
if you've gone through the process uh, and they think of trans the way that we think of gay, for them, it's a internal immutable yeah. characteristic of their personhood. Yeah. Therefore, if you de trans, you were never real to begin with as a trans person. Yeah, so well, that's why, you know, again, the language is so, so important and how we can't let them dominate the language because they will use it to lie and distort and manipulate. And they're always changing the definitions of things and making arguments like trans women are women without allowing you to have the argument, to debate that point, to have a back and forth and exchange of ideas and maybe you know come to uh, an agreement about some parts and a disagreement about others. They don't want you to do that. They want to force you into compliance. It's just a power claim. I mean, Solinsky's Rules for Radicals is like the textbook that they operate by. But they and shut you down and shut you up. And, and don't fall for it. So if you're someone and you're listening to this right now and you've been nervous about speaking out about these things and you feel like you know you might lose friends or family or whatever, like. You have people who will back you up, you know, take a leaf from Kitty's book, take a leaf from ours. You are fine. You are not a homophobe. You are not a transphobe for wanting to stand up for kids and, and to prevent them from doing something that's harmful. Yeah, them. it's not misogynistic to point out that women are primarily yes. driving this, that feminism is responsible yeah. for intersectional feminism, which is this mm. idea men can become well, that, that's a whole other rabbit hole we don't want to go Still, back into but ben, we did touch on that a bit. kitty where can people find you where would you like them to uh to look you up if they want to look you up and yeah. follow you um you can find me kitty demure on all social media um the official kitty demure um you could write to me at i am kitty demure um i'm pretty much everywhere on all, all social media okay i'll put some i'll put links in the description and uh, don't forget, everyone, to like, like comment, comment subscribe, subscribe, share, donate, share, 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 share. Kitty, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and for your insights and for your humor. We appreciate it. Keep going, never stop. You rock. Thank you, and th thanks for having a platform, getting the word out, and uh, it, it's great. And more of us need to open our mouths, get out there, be active, and and stand up for ourselves. Yep. Yeah. And if you're ever in New York City, hit us up. You know, we'd love to hang out. It'd be fun. Totally, right. I will. I'm going to end the recording there, folks. Later, guys. Stay See tuned. Bye-bye.